What did you hear that Devin Booker had a plus minus of like 37 last night? He had 48 points and 11 assists and 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And if you haven't got the message that your shooting percentages are incredibly exclusive for a player of his usage rating, I'll continue conversating while the suns are escalating. One day they'll be jumping on that podium and celebrating. So the panel guys, they love to analyze the suns. Yeah, the so the panel guys, they love to analyze the suns. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. As you can tell, Tim Tompkins and Dave King have the evening day whenever you're listening to this off, as uh, I think Dave is looking for a new old folks home to move into, and Tim is uh, frantically looking for a new pair of glasses. But I uh, figured we uh, we should at least do an episode this weekend since the Suns had one of the wildest two-game swings in uh, NBA preseason that I've ever seen. And uh, to discuss it with me, it brought in a good friend of mine and a uh, now a friend of the program, Ralph Hamston. Ralph, how are you, man? I'm excited. I'm like I'm a fan of this show. I listen to it all the time. Uh, I, I just finished the Man Crush episode. I had to go back and... <laughs> And listen to that, and I'm genuinely honored to be uh, on a podcast stage with a fellow Marco Milic fan. Oh, uh, yes. I, I, I felt alone for a very long time before I, this. I actually wanted, and I, I think I've told this story before, but I wanted to name this uh, the Sons of Marco Milic uh, podcast, but we decided better against it. So, uh, so, so you know, it, as much as I want everybody to know, we're not actually related, even though we kind of look like we could be here, yeah, but we're right. not. We're just, uh, we're just buddies through a good friend of ours, uh, Eric Sorensen, who, uh, who hooked us up. And, uh, if you don't know Ralph, check out his stuff on Twitter, uh, on Arizona varsity, that's.com, that, uh, Arizona sports cast, uh, dot com. You got to check out Ralph's work. He does amazing uh, stuff out there, and uh, glad to have him a part of the program. And Ralph, I got to ask you: We saw the Suns against the Kings earlier this week. Well, we kind of saw it if you illegally watched it or right. listened to it on the radio, uh, and it, it just it wasn't. It wasn't pretty from from all accounts. It was just not a well-played basketball game for the Suns. And then they turn around on Saturday night. They play in Portland against the Portland Trailblazers. And they play what is one of, what was one of the prettier games we've seen from the Phoenix Suns, even though it's only preseason. Uh, they set, I don't know if you can set a franchise record in preseason, but I think they technically set a franchise care. franchise yeah. record for most three-pointers ever made by a Suns team, hitting 24 of them in the game. And the craziest part is they did it without Devin Booker, without Ricky Rubio, and without DeAndre Ayton on the court. I have no clue who the Suns team is. The only thing I'm sure of right now is that uh, preseason basketball is a fickle mistress. But an exciting one. <laughs> but, but one that you, you risk everything for. Well, this I is mean, true. I'm, As I'm with trying, most mistresses. <laughs> yes. I'm trying as hard as I can not to express opinions, and that's something I'm so... Holding back anything has always been uh, terribly, terribly hard for me. Uh, after... After dropping 136 with 24 threes with your best players sitting out, um, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Everybody was shooting. The ball was moving around. 
uh, which, which, you know, doesn't always happen when you, when you're trying to mesh everybody together in preseason basketball. Um, Ty Jerome has me feeling things. I mean, <laughs> I remember, um, and, and, and I think he's just mature as a, as a basketball player, you know what he is right now. Like he can only really get better at what it is that he does. And mentioning him in the same breath as Steve Nash, I think, is a sin. But Steve Nash was a four-year player coming out of Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. And when he came in, there was a maturity to his game. Uh, and then there were already a bunch of players at his position. So he didn't need to be good immediately. Um, and I don't think the Suns really need anything from any of the new guys. Like they, they, they don't have to come in and play 30 minutes and be a cornerstone right now. We have to move out of the projects. That's what we have to do as a franchise. And I think that they, they've got some maturity to their youth. And I, I very much appreciate it. It's very welcome. And that was a special preseason game. There hasn't been a lot to be excited about. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, if people want to call it overreacting, where I'm, I'm happy to celebrate. I know that the, uh, what was it, AZ Central came out with a column today that said you can't celebrate an actual victory from the Arizona Cardinals. I'm more than happy to celebrate a preseason victory from the Phoenix Suns. You know what, I, I just, I don't understand. Be excited. I mean, we don't get a lot to be excited about. And it wasn't like that they shot 33% and hit 24 threes. Like, they just no. were bombarded. They went 53%. You know, they only shot 43 or 45 uh, of them. I mean, it was, it was not like, it was a crazy... Output, and I think what this tells us is this is not the same Monty Williams that we saw coaching in New Orleans. This is not something that 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 New Orleans team that he coached would have done. And I like that because we had no clue coming in what a Monty Williams uh, offensive system would look like or what to expect. And and now I'm fairly intrigued by this. I, I, I know the .5 offense, and you know, and we've heard a lot of coaches talk about this, but these players seem to have bought in. And they, uh, you mentioned Ty Jerome. I mean, that's just one example of they drafted young, experienced guys in him and Cam Johnson. They come in with maturity. They're not 19-year-old kids uh, who, who had one year of, of college basketball or an 18-year-old from Europe who had, who had never experienced basketball here in the States. These are guys that, that can come in, will know their role, will be able, be able to do that. And then you look at the roster, and, I mean, You've got Tyler Johnson, who's your sixth man now, and instead of having to be the starting point guard. There's depth with this team. Mikhail Bridges will be with that second unit with Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup. Aaron Baines, even though he started on Saturday night, will be your backup center. This is a team. This isn't an accumulation of a lot of yes. young talent. This is a legitimate team here now. Yeah, I think I think – you made the most important point is that, um, you know, I think that, that, that maybe basketball is like a lot of other things in life where, you know, 10% is supposed to do 50% of the work. Um, and in, in, in that can be a really fickle thing when you're depending on a star, especially when you're a franchise that I'm, I'm rebuilding doesn't seem like the right word, but when you're, when you're a franchise that uh, is constantly kind of sifting through the rubble, right? 
you don't need somebody to be out there picking up the most stones. You need everybody to work together to clean this mess up. And uh, I, my ideal Phoenix Suns franchise for the 2019-2020 season is one where nobody needs to do anything. Yeah. Is one where no, you're not 100% dependent on anyone for for anything except for maybe that final bucket. You know, and obviously we know whose responsibility that would be if they were in that situation. And I hope to be in that situation more this year <laughs> than in previous years. But I, I, I just don't I, I don't look at this team and see uh, a bunch of people where we say, all right, this, you know, Josh Jackson, it was constantly he needs to work on this or he needs to work on his shot on this team. Everybody just needs to make sure that the people uh, that, that are out there are playing to their strengths and that the mix is good. And I think that Monty Williams can do that. Uh, there are a lot of players here that have experience on uh, other teams or have a lot of collegiate experience um, and aren't necessarily still learning the game. And so when you have a guy like Josh Jackson and DeAndre Ayton on the court at the same time, and they're still figuring out what they can do with all their talents, that's an issue. You only want maybe one of those guys on the court at any given time, and you don't want to have to depend on them. DeAndre Ayton is three years away from us seeing what he's actually going to be. I look at him and I see uh, Brad Doherty. That's who I see. And Brad Doherty was who he, he maxed out his talent before the back injury in year five. And mm -hmm. I think most players start to get to that, that point. So DeAndre Ayton's exciting, but you shouldn't need anything from him right now. And I don't see this as a, as a team that ha could put every, anybody out with any lineup and say like, all right, well, we're completely dependent on shooting from X. We're completely uh, dependent on defense from Y. I think that everybody can do a little bit of everything. And I, I, I don't know. I am, I, I, it's one preseason game. I mean, two, if you're counting the wins, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where they go from here. Yeah, certainly. And you know, you bring up, uh, guys just playing to to what they know and you look at Frank Kaminsky uh in in the, all yeah. three games but in particular in that Portland game I mean he didn't have a great shooting night but he comes up with eight assists and and shot well from beyond the arc uh, he's a guy that has impressed me because he is just doing the things he's playing within it within his own own game uh, you bring up DeAndre Ayton uh not having to be anything in particular and you have Monty Williams saying look I'm not expecting him to be a leader i'm just expecting him to go out there and play and the i you know yeah. he, he struggled in the sacramento game everybody did but that first preseason game he came out uh and, and was spectacular in that i just want to see growth from him we we need devin booker to just uh you know be the the guy we've seen ricky ruby already came in and was a uh, uh was pretty good in that in that first uh game he played he, he he's he calms down the offense i mean it's it's amazing what an nba level point guard can do for for a team unlike uh what we saw the mess of of players uh, last year that that were playing so you know i I feel encouraged by so much of this and yet i'm terrified by the fact that i'm encouraged by it because i feel like We've we've gone down this road before, uh, and and we got we got smacked in the face pretty hard numerous times. But something about this feels different, and I keep defaulting back to that forty-eight win team in Ryan McDonough and, and Jeff Hornacek's first okay. year, uh, because it felt like there there was something 
different, that there was something different with that group of guys. And granted, I was much closer uh, then because I worked for the organization. But from afar now, it seems like that. Even in that Sacramento game where everything was going wrong, there was a play where, uh, you know, where and, and the clip's been been on Twitter. You can go, go look for it. But basically, uh, somebody fell down uh, under the basket. It's escaping me who it was. But all four of his teammates for the Suns ran over and helped him back up. That's not something we've seen in the past, and it's those little things that go a long way to building that culture. And I understand it. Culture sounds like a buzzword because we've heard every coach and every general manager throw it around uh, like it's nothing over the past uh, you know, nine years. But it is, it's those little things that show it in, in those moments that don't matter, like the second preseason game when you're getting, uh, you're getting beat up by the Sacramento Kings. But those little things like that moment, I think, add up to bigger things later on in the season. Yeah. And with culture, culture is an inside out thing, right? You, you need to have something in you that shows you can't just, you know, it's not like I, I, I could, you know, dye my, my goatee's a little bit blonde, but I could dye it black. I could put on some eyeliner. I could wear all black. I could listen to the cure. That doesn't make me God. Like the, the, the people who truly are, it's something in them that manifests in all of those things. Right. And so Everybody has come in here and tried to urgently shape culture from the outside in. If we just get this, these things, maybe it'll seep down to the core of who this team is and they'll start acting like a real team. And the truth is you can't do that. You have to get people in who are all willing to be self-sacrificial, who are willing to be on the same page, who appreciate the game of basketball, who, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, you, you got guys who were two years removed from being ranked. You know, I work with rivals, the number one or number two or number three player in the entire country. And so it, for them, it's more about branding and expectations um, and, and, and expecting to get to that star status right away than it is about making sure that you're just good enough to be on the court. Like who makes the best coaches The backup point guards or, 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 or lifelong scrappy uh, point guards or, you know, small forwards who um, who had, you know, uh, that were glue guys or, or even like in James Jones's case as a, as a GM. And he was one of those. Right. And so, you know, people who want to be there and understand that this could also possibly be their last contract, but have enough talent to be there in the first place. And I think that with uh, Dario Sarch, who I love, um, with Frank Kaminsky, uh, Ty Jerome, these are all super talented guys, but they all know that in order to stick in this league, they're going to have to fight to stay. DeAndre Ayton could accidentally be in this league 12 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oluwakandi <laughs> was like a 10-year vet. So um, he, you, you need to have guys that are still fighting for position, uh, who love the game of basketball, and who don't have these massive, massive, massive expectations so that they can be free and clear to shoulder some of that uh, of the burden for the ones who do. Because that's a lot to deal with. I mean, and I'm, I'm, this is the year that I say, you know, Devin Booker, max contract, max expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make, and I, I know that it's, you know, we, we've fallen into a habit of uh, defending Devin Booker, making excuses for Devin Booker. Every single thing that happens from here on out, it's because this is the position that he's in. I don't care how unfair the criticism is. If you're a Suns fan, you got to roll with the punches just like he has to roll with the punches. You know, DeAndre Ayton is is already facing a ton of scrutiny and criticism, um, you know, and, and, and a part of that is just because of the draft class that he was part of. 
and the what ifs that are going to be part of that. I think you take that energy that you used to defend Devin Booker, shift that over to DeAndre Ayton, and just let you know D Book be who he's going to be, and then let uh, th- these other players are going to do more than their fair share of protecting some of these guys uh, from some of that. You know, I was rewatching a clip from a couple of years ago of Kelly Oubre. Um, just absolutely destroying a guy who fouled him, and just you know, uh, one one of the Celtics players—I can't remember who it was—that white guy with a man bun, um, <laughs> but just running over and knocking him to the floor. And and I was just thinking today that like, man, there's going to be some moments like that with the Suns this season, where you know, the, someone tries to get in one of these star players' heads, and it's going to be three or four guys who rush over and get in their face and shoulder some of that burden, so it doesn't all fall on your star players. And so I'm, I'm in, again, I cannot reiterate how excited I am to see a bunch of guys who love playing the game of basketball surrounding some people who are absolute supreme talents who need to learn to love basketball before their career is completely ruined um, from just wandering the desert. Hey, white guy, man bun Celtics. You're probably talking Kelly Olynyk, is 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 my guess, uh, who, been, who yeah. that was. But uh, you you bring uh, you bring up an interesting point when it comes to to Devin Booker, and yet we've as much as anybody on this show have come to the defense and really. Uh, beat the beat the drum for him numerous times this off season, but you're I'm 100 uh, percent agreeing with you in that camp where this is the year that he has to put up or shut up because now he finally has a legitimate team around him and it's time for him to live up to the to the hype live up to the max contract and live up to to figuring out how to help this team win now I don't expect uh, you know mid 40s uh, in terms of wins but they need to get in, in, into the to the low 30s for this to be considered uh, a, 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 a okay year successful year if if you will and and a lot of that's going to depend on Devin Booker and, and we need to see that from him but I want to ask you because you have a unique perspective having covered high school here you, you've covered college uh, as well so you've seen a lot of DeAndre Ayton before last year with the yeah. Suns is there something that you saw in in DeAndre uh, as I, I hate saying it this way as a younger man as in, in that uh, okay. you know in, in that growing that that you saw that you haven't seen with him uh, on the Suns that you expect to see him grow into something something you noticed well first of all he can shoot and he can shoot off the dribble, which is pretty wild. Um, he's the best high school player I've ever seen. I'm one man with one opinion. Um, a big part of my life is high school sports, probably more so football than, than basketball, but basketball is my first and longest love. And uh, I'm telling you, on the same team as Marcus Bagley, or Marvin Bagley, I'm sorry, Marcus is coming <laughs> up through, uh, through ASU right now, um, but on the same team as Marvin Bagley at Hillcrest. And uh, apologies to anybody who wanted to see the two of them play together. Unfortunately, it was my website's reporting that ended up breaking that entire situation up. I Selfishly, for entertainment purposes, I would have loved to see it too. Um, but uh, they, they definitely were not an accredited institution when I did my <laughs> reporting. Uh, and that, that caused the Bagleys to ultimately leave and only have three or four games alongside Aiton. But I did see them play together. And I will tell you, that DeAndre Ayton is not only he's the best high school basketball player that I have ever seen, um, he's just got an incredibly high ceiling because he does have a modern game. And I think he was sort of protected uh, 
slash used a little bit at Arizona where that wasn't what they needed from him. They didn't need him to go in and replace Laurie Markkinen. They looked at what they had with Laurie Markkinen and they said, we didn't make it far enough. We need somebody to bang on the inside and we're going to use his, we know he's only going to be here one year. So we're going to absolutely play to his physical strengths. And then the same, same exact result, right? Hmm. Um, whereas they're, they're not really able to make it that far in the tournament. But, you know, he, he comes to the Suns, and I don't think it made a lot of sense for him to go out and start shooting uh, right away. And I don't think that in his second year you're going to see the, like, Alex Len 2018-2019 three-pointer <laughs> growth uh, from him. But just know that it's there and know that when, he, when, when they do deem it appropriate, that this is going to be a, a, a really interesting element um, of his game because he can dribble and he can shoot. Um, but there's also that temptation to finally see what it would look like uh, for the Phoenix Suns to have that true um, center that we have always longed for, even though the game sort of uh, moved past whatever that is. Um, which brings me to another thing that I wanted to say is that, I, you know, I know that people are, uh, are iffy on Frank Kaminsky. I, I think they'll fall in love with him because of his effort. Um, but I, I look at him right now. I mean, right now, three preseason games in. I'm like, man, this guy's in the top 10 of centers the Phoenix Suns have, have put on the court in the last 30 years Hey, I've as already, far as skill. So I've, already, you, I've already purchased all the land in Kaminsky Cove. You're to come to me if you, you, you want to buy, you know, if you want to buy. Talk about that. But he, he's extremely offensively skilled, extremely offensively skilled. And he's been in his NBA career. He's sort of been made into a little bit of a punchline. I think something that he maybe plays into with his personality like you like me a little bit self-deprecation right mm -hmm. but the truth is this guy is an absolute weapon on the basketball court and it's going to be fun to see him spell Aiton or play alongside him if he needs to uh and then you know Aaron Baines is a whole another story that you know I, I think people are really going to enjoy um but you just I I Aiton there's a lot in store for him mm. uh I I highly recommend exercising patience um, all of his energy should really be focused on uh, becoming somebody on the defensive side that can fit in with what the Suns need. Right, And if that comes down to not guarding the five, then that's really what it comes down to. Um, but as we move on, we're not going to be able, you know, you don't want games where JaVale McGee averages five points a game, but drops 30 going 11 for 13 just because DeAndre Ayton is guarding him or something like that. So um, I, that's where his energy needs to be. But I'm telling you from covering him in high school, the dude can shoot and you'll see that eventually. I feel like uh, Kaminsky is very much like the, uh, the 92, 93 sons, a victim of, of Michael Jordan and the fact that they, uh, that they just took him probably slightly earlier than, uh, than probably should have. And, and then put him in a player development uh, area that just wasn't, really the greatest i mean we understand that here in phoenix guys can have all the talent in the world but if they're not put in a situation to succeed they're you know obviously they're gonna they're not gonna look great uh, i i think kaminsky's probably looked better than uh, than a lot of 
uh, NBA people have given him credit for. And, and I hope he gets that opportunity without that pressure here coming into Phoenix. He's not expected to be, be the starter. He's not expected to do much. So hopefully he can come in and just be himself like we were talking about earlier and just really, uh, really somewhat blossom in, in that role off the bench. Hope, hope to see that personally. But Ralph, I mean, we've never had you on the show before, but I know you're a, a lifelong fan and you briefly touched on basketball yeah. being kind of your your first love what was it about the Suns that uh that kind of made you a fan uh, originally i always like to share those stories uh, on the pod okay. as well so i'm a 92 93 year um like a lot of people uh, i was eight years old at the time and um i remember the season being exciting i remember my dad who not really into sports at all, all of a sudden started watching a whole lot of Suns basketball. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to the radio as a kid. I was grounded a whole bunch. And so I wanted to know what my dad, like why my dad was into that. And, uh, and so I had this like little Sony uh, boom box that could record like different radio shows or whatever. And I would record the Suns games if they were past my bedtime or I would just straight listen to them. Um, if if they weren't, and uh, Al McCoy, Al McCoy brought me into Suns fandom around eight nine years old, and then I remember uh, the the playoffs were just an absolute joy, and uh, and then my neighbor had an old beat up pickup truck, and uh, this was like one of the first ever like my, me and my dad aren't super close, uh, we are now but not really then and not really through the whole time of me living with him. I remember one of the coolest moments between me and my dad where we kind of bonded was uh, my neighbor painted the back of his truck to say uh, P-H-U-C-K doubles, <laughs> right? And I remember like staring at it for a second and then figuring out like, oh, oh, that's the F word. And I like, looked at my dad and he looks back at me and he's like, you can say it. <laughs> and so like right there eight years old i dropped the f-bomb in front of my dad for the very first time you know kind of high-fived or whatever and it was just like i i i, I just wanted the sons to just destroy the bulls because my neighbor's truck said they should and um and then from that point on uh was just completely in love listen to every single game on the radio even if it was on uh television and and al mccoy wasn't on the call i'd mute the tv um uh, lived and died, had had absolutely weird infatuations with the strangest of players, not always, you know, necessarily the stars. You know, I asked my parents one year for like a Joe Courtney jersey and they looked at me like I was, you know, an insane person. And, and also they did not make those. Um, you want a good Joe Courtney story? I actually... I do want a good Joe uh, Courtney uh, story, please. Um, a month and a half ago, I was at a conference in Boston, a marketing conference for my day job, and Joe Courtney actually gave a, a session, and I went to it because I, I didn't... It was about a championship mindset, and I didn't really care about the session. I yes. literally did it because I wanted to go... I remember Joe Courtney playing basketball, and then I just sat and listened to him talk about uh, his career. So random uh, yeah. Joe Courtney story. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I, I just, and then every, almost everything in my life, I, I relate back to some type of son's memory, even very, very small things. Like when I sneeze, which happens first thing every morning when I walk outside and the sun hits my face, I sneeze. And the first thing I think of every time I sneeze 
is there's a story out there that Wayman Tisdale sneezed while his wife was giving birth and he broke like three ribs from sneezing so hard. Um, and so just like, I just, even everyday little things, you know, whenever, whenever I see like somebody getting absolutely screamed at for being annoying, I'm like, that person is a total Danny Ainge. And even in my, in my uh, on Twitter, my header photo is Michael Jordan getting so pissed off at Danny Ainge that he's got a finger like right in his face. Um, yeah. And so I just, I mean, I've, I've been in love with the Suns ever since this drought has been incredibly painful. I haven't really known what to do with all of the, uh, the negative energy, but uh, you know, I'm an optimist and I just want things to work out. And I would love to be able to share that with my kids because my oldest son, I have four kids. My oldest son is 11. He obviously was not old enough to remember uh, that last playoff run. And one of the very last positive memories I have of the Suns, and maybe this was when you were talking about the 48 win team mm. uh, when you were working there was, I remember being at the last home game of the season and Matt Barnes took the microphone and apologized to the crowd. And that might not have been a 48 win. I, 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 but I, remember, yeah. I, I remember that happening. And I remember saying like, man, these guys care. And that's what's most important to me. Yeah. And um, I, they haven't even been old enough to care for the longest time. I did, you know, never really liked the whole McDonough thing. Tried not to be too like aggressively, outwardly pessimistic about it. The Sarver thing is Thanos. It's inevitable. So I don't really talk much <laughs> about Robert Sarver. Understandable. Um, but, you know, the, I, 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 I remember one game into last year after they beat the Mavs by 20 in the opening game. I felt excited, but more more anxious than excited. They're kind of the same feeling. It's just the ultimate outlook you have. And it was, how are they going to ruin this? And I don't think this year can really be ruined for me. They're at the point right now where everything is so new that any positive thing that happens will spring a new little spring of hope to carry you to the next day. Um, you know, even if they're getting blown out by 20, you're going to be looking at the, the positive aspects that you can take out of it and know that they have different assets and ways to move, you know, and a new GM who hopefully has autonomy and a coach with lots of experience and humility and wisdom. Um, yeah, I don't care what the record is, man. I think it's going to be a good year. Yeah, I was I was the moron after that twenty point victory to start the season last year that uh, jumped that gun a little fast, and I believe I wrote something about how uh, everybody should probably thank Ryan McDonough because he built the foundation of what could be the next great Suns team, and I I still believe that if Aiton and Booker uh, and Bridges are around for the next great Suns team, but I was a little premature with that one. So, but I'm glad I'm glad we've got another another person who uh, lived the same album McCoy experience as me growing up and kind of that's what uh, lit the passion I'm very much the same way that's why here in the studio if you're listening on the podcast in the home studio I've got uh, an Al McCoy bobblehead that that sits right above me uh, in in every YouTube uh, video that we do but uh, the big big part of uh, why I do this uh, still to this day uh for the fun of it, uh, a couple rapid fire before we get out of here. Yeah, of course. Uh, if if you were Monty Williams, are you starting Kelly Oubre or are you starting Mikael Bridges uh, at the small forward position? Oof. I think that it would be okay to be like a baseball style Mad Hatter, as long as those guys know that you're going to get big, crucial minutes, and it's going to be about the matchups. If they can put their ego aside. I really think that it depends on because neither one of those guys is someone you should really have to rely on for offensive rhythm. 
Uh, I like Kelly Oubre. I love his energy. Um, his style, I mean, he's just a cool-ass guy, right? But, you know, it, it's still not lost on me that during their 17-game losing streak last year, he had eight separate occasions where he shot under 40%. Yeah. So when he's the hot hand, you go to him. Um, but I don't necessarily you think that you need to find that out right away. If you bring him off the bench and he's good to go to get you five buckets in a three-minute period, cool. Um, if not, somebody else on this team, the way it's constructed, should be able to pick up that slack. But if that energy's there, how awesome is that for yeah. for the Suns to be able to ride that wave? And and if he's up for it, that's what I would advocate. I think the nice thing is, too, that just because a guy starts a game, I mean, you can finish with whoever's hotter out of McHale and Oubre, or if you need the defensive uh, firepower, you can, you can have McHale play the longer minutes as, as well, so... Next, next rapid fire for you. Uh, so some people want to call uh, Cam Johnson Shazam Cam. There's been uh, some push for that online. I actually want to refer to him and Tyler Johnson as the plain white tees. If you were the czar of nicknames, which oh, one would you goodness. go with? So I'm not, I'm not super uh, great with, <laughs> With uh, I'm not super great with with nicknames, but I mean the age jokes on Cam Johnson are pretty funny, <laughs> and his name's Cam, so I don't know, like calling him Kodak since we don't even see those cameras <laughs> anymore, uh, and they're ancient or something. I mean, I, I, uh, I those the, the most the only time I was ever frustrated with uh, with with Al McCoy uh, growing up is when because it was always so important to make sure that every player had a nickname. And sometimes they would absolutely nail it, right? Like the Matrix, you can't get better than that. Mm. Uh, but I remember how hard and how long they struggled with Michael Finley. And I just was like, just quit talking about it. It'll come eventually. And then he was gone and it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I will say that like, maybe let's, let's, let him, let's let it play out a little bit. I'm wary of interdependent nicknames just based on the fact that, you know, one could be gone and you break up the actuals or metaphorical band uh, and that, that could be an issue. Then he just uh, becomes the plain white tee. You know, you just take the plural. Yeah. It just made me laugh because you don't see guys wearing the white t-shirt under their jersey anymore. And the Suns bench unit has two of those guys. And it just struck me as slightly odd. It looked like me when I'd play YMCA uh hoops or when I was at when I was playing in a league as a kid I, uh, just the lack of confidence but uh, I, I don't think it's Cam Johnson uh, having a problem with the definition in his arms it's actually like a concealed weapon you know he's, he's, he's hiding those uh, three-point cannons there you know what did his teammates say like 400 times when he got there was it wow did yeah. he say that over and over again <laughs> just call him that. that that's what I think of when I whenever ever I hear his name I, I agree so I can you, Ralph, why don't you let people know kind of where they can find you, What anything yeah. interesting that, that you're working on, anything like that. I want to give you the, the floor here. I appreciate that, man. So um, I, uh, y- you can find me on Twitter, at Ralph Amsden. Uh, if you're into car crashes, that's what that can be sometimes. I, <laughs> I wake up every day saying, like, today's going to be a positive day. And then I open my feed and someone's like, man, you're an idiot. I said, I said something nice about Steve Kime today. I guarantee you. Before 7 a.m., I'm in a Twitter fight with somebody uh, over that. So uh, if, if or and I apologize to any of your incredible loyal viewers who may have been part of that at some point. Uh, follow me. Let's start fresh. 
And, uh, and I, I cover high school sports, football, and basketball uh, for a Rivals affiliate, uh, ArizonaVarsity.com. And I'm in the process of slowly, stage by stage, getting together a website called Arizona Sportscast. It is uh, a local podcast. And so, you know, we got, we got one covering uh, high school football. We got one covering the Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, getting ready to launch a Cardinals podcast midseason, uh, which will make me seem like a bandwagon, uh, you know, uh, capitalizing on all the, the Kyler attention. But it's been in the works for about a year. It's called Red Noise. And then got a Suns one coming down the pike. Uh, don't, we don't need any more Suns ones. No more. We, we have like 45 of them. Here, here's the thing. You are 100% correct. We do not need any more uh, Suns podcasts. So feel free to not listen uh, to, to that one. But definitely, definitely, definitely uh, tune into that. Or I also co-host, uh, if you're into Pac-12 football, uh, one of my favorite things that I do is I co-host a podcast called Pac-12 Apostles. Greatest which... podcast nickname ever, by the way. Thank you. I, I'm still trying. I'm working on the artwork for it, but it's every mascot at the Last Supper, and um, I gotta run. I gotta run that by a few of my more religious friends. Uh, I'm gonna run that by my pastor uh, and make sure that he's cool with it. Uh, but I host that with uh, George Reister, former NFL tight end, um, and and he's an absolute riot. He takes way more heat online than even I do, um, and uh, and and most of our podcast focuses on my love affair for Arizona's uh, Khalil Tate. Um, which even Arizona fans don't like him, hey, so that's, yeah. that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, how about how about that left-handed uh, touchdown pass uh, that was really just a fumble to uh, Washington the other night? Way, way to go I, I there, I said it Ralph. reminded me of trying to take your phone out of your pocket when someone pushes you in the pool, like you're on your way <laughs> in the pool and you try to get rid of your phone onto dry land. That's what That was what that was. No, and, and honestly, I recommend it. If Ralph launches a Suns podcast, please uh, do listen to it. Just don't take us out of your rotation. Take one of the other N95 Suns podcasts out of the rotation to listen to Ralph's. And I'm sure uh, he'll sucker me into uh, being on it more uh, more than I probably Absolutely. should be. I'm re- I'm ready for for some reps on the red noise. I'm wearing the uh, the Cardinals throwback lid uh, as we do this as well. So I'm I'm here for is it. That the, is that a Chicago? That is the original Chicago Cardinals logo. Uh, that's uh, nice, yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I highly recommend everything. Uh, everything Ralph does. Big fan of his work. Happy to have him here on the solar panel. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Dave King, who it is. He must be getting up for work right now. It's uh, as we're recording this. It's ten, almost ten thirty at night, and uh, and. Dave King, uh, who is is way too old to be up at this time, is up listening, and he suggests Cam Wow instead of Sham Wow for the uh, the nickname for Cam Johnson. So I, I like that. Yeah, we'll, that's amazing. We'll give Dave some credit. So. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Make sure to follow the show at Sun Solar Panel on Twitter. Follow uh, or actually subscribe on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Any of them you can find us: Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Pretty much, uh, you can type it in anywhere. You'll find us. Uh, probably not some of them dirty sites, but everywhere else you can find find the show. Uh, so for Ralph Amston, I'm Greg Esposito, and we'll uh, talk to you next time here on the Sun Solar Panel.